Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What is gritty? That's the point. Gritty, as it turns out, is the mascot of the NHL's Philadelphia Flyers. You know, when we were all kids, we were always told, if it has to be explained, it's a terrible idea, right? He's seven feet tall, furry and orange, with googly eyes that look like they could pop out of his head at any moment. All my friends were like, he's weird, but no, he ain't weird. He might be the change we need. But when you have something like Gritty, where people go, what the heck is that, right? The answer is a five-minute advertisement for Philadelphia, for the Flyers, right? It's, it's a five-minute advertisement. And so I would absolutely want my mascot to be a question. I'm Mike Rogers, and this is Something Off Beats, the podcast that answers many of the questions behind some of the day's unusual headlines. This week, as one NFL franchise decides between a hog and a dog for its mascots, we'll find out why some of the established ones work and why others don't. The point of a mascot is comic relief, you know, the downtime. Jason Klein is co-founder of Brandios a sports branding company. But there's another line on his resume that makes him uniquely qualified to talk about mascots. But we'll get to that. It's really effective in baseball. Baseball is more of, you know, there's a slower pace. It's a longer game. You sit there with a, you know, an adult beverage, hanging out with your friends. And if it's a slow part of the game, it's a great opportunity to be entertained, um, to put a smile on your face, to get your, 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 your engagement back into the franchise. Uh, Jason grew up in San Diego, home to one of the country's first iconic sports mascots, the famous San Diego Chicken. The thing about the chicken was well, that was kind of a radio station promotion more than a Padre promotion, right? Yes, there was um, uh, KGB here, which is a radio station in San Diego. Uh, Ted Giannullis, who was you know at San Diego State, took this offer up to get dressed up in a chicken costume and became wildly popular. And at some point, you know, other teams said, "Hey, we want to bring the chicken to our our market." And so he was traveling around and making money. And the radio station was like, well, wait a second here. Like you're kind of representing San Diego and our radio station here in San Diego. And if you're traveling to, you know, Oakland, like what's going on? And at some point he, they had like, a, I think there was a lawsuit and ultimately uh, Ted won. And that was the, the famous grand hatching uh, where busted out of the suit. The costume was a little bit different, obviously not representing the radio station. And then we have, uh, the famous chicken as we know it today. If you're under a certain age, it's hard to describe how pervasive the San Diego chicken was in pop culture back in the 70s and 80s. Here's Leela Rahimi on Odyssey's 670 The Score in Chicago. In high school, in my economics class, at some point, everybody knew you had to watch a video called Chickenomics, and it featured the San Diego chicken. Yes. I do not remember any detail from the video just that it was called Chickenomics. And he was at a game once in San Diego. And it was hilarious because 
it was a pandemic type of crowd, even though it wasn't the pandemic. So you could hear everybody yell pretty well. And people kept trying to get his attention. And so all you had was a ton of people screaming, chicken, (laughs) over and over and over again. The chicken and the fanatic, those are the gold standards. You know, why are some of them so good and so funny? Some of them are such a vast difference in quality between the best and the worst. Yeah, I think on one level, it's it's two parts. It's the costume. It's also the performer. And and I think probably third is the support of the team. You need a costume that can't be ignored. I mean, I remember like, you know, we've had the chicken. We've had the fanatic. Then we had a long list of other mascots. You might throw the gorilla in there. And then most of them are forgettable, tastefully dull, as we uh, like to say. And then all of a sudden, Gritty shows up. Right, gritty in uh, in Philadelphia, and everybody is like, "What the heck is this?" You either love it or you hate it, but you can't ignore it. And I think that that is the the sign is a, a costume you can't ignore. And you know from where you speak, yeah, you you were the elephant at the University of Alabama. I was, and that's the top of the food chain. I mean, I was Big Al for uh, for two seasons. Oh, wait, what's what's the name again? Big Al. Big Al. I never knew that. Big Al. Come on, all the Alabama fans are like rolling their eyes right here, listening. Come on, we got to be Big Al, most the most famous elephant in uh, the state of Alabama. What was that like wearing that costume on a nice warm September afternoon? It's a habit. You get used to the heat and humidity. Uh, obviously, it's more humid uh, in Alabama than it is uh, here in San Diego. And I, you know, my my background was uh, I was the mascot at our high school, which was a Scottish Terrier. Then I was the mascot the year the Padres went to the World Series in '98. My business partner was my creative partner, and and I was the mascot, the Friar. So not the, not the San Diego Chicken, but the Swinging Friar. I was there for a season between high school and college, and then I, I you know, we went to a big, you know, it's not Texas style football, but here in in, in San Diego it was the closest thing, and I wanted to go to a big, you know, big time college football school and be a mascot. I, I did it. You know, in high school, I wanted to do it in college. I'd never been to the South. I never went to the South. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any family. I packed my bags and headed to Alabama, and the rest is history. How do you become a mascot at a school as big as Alabama? And the way that it works in the mascot world is you have to have like highlight tape, like highlight tape. In the same way that you have film in like in football, you have highlight tapes of your best antics in mascots. So every mascot's got a got a highlight tape. And that's sort of your price of admission for, you know, if you, it's like a resume. So if you're getting a job in the pro, you got to show your tape. If you get, you're trying to get a job or, you know, apply for college, you, you got to have a tape. The costumes are hot. We mentioned that. But what are some of the other challenges that people might not think about when they see the mascots running around down there? Yeah, it's really, you're kind of a puppeteer in a way. Your adrenaline's always going, you know, you obviously take a break, you get water, but in a lot of ways, you just, you got to have this sort of tenacity and energy and like, you're just thinking about, okay, I'm on a break right now for a quick hot second. My, my energy is still up. My adrenaline's going, what, like, what's the next skit? What's the next antic? What's the next punchline? What's the next thing I'm going to do? And then once you feel like you've caught your breath for a second, you know, you put the head back on and then you just go out there. You know, there's some, there's some, basics to mascotting the mascots generally 99% don't talk so you have to pantomime um the other thing about a costume is it absorbs 90% of your movement 
So you can't just like wave. You look like, you know, you can't see what's going on. If you want somebody in the upper deck to see you, you don't, you have to sort of like extend your arm as far away from your head as possible. And for exaggeration, maybe kick the opposite leg out on the opposite side and then wave like, like you're hailing a taxi in New York city. Like that's, that is a low level wave in the mascot um, world because the costume is absorbing your, your, your body. Uh, movements so you have to over exaggerate everything it sounds exhausting i mean it's it's the best workout ever you're, it's like a sauna with like you know you're doing like a like a, like an nfl combine it's you know two hours whatever and then yeah you go and crash and the next day all your muscles and you, you ache and maybe you need to do an ice bath but um it's fun Earlier in this episode, we mentioned that one NFL team is working to select a new mascot this season. That would be the Washington Commanders, who are leaving it up to fans to vote between two choices. They've narrowed the mascot choices down from four to two. It's either going to be a hog or a dog, Brian. I'm going to ask you a question, though. (laughs) The fact that they got a team dog, don't you think it's going to be a dog? No, it's going to be a hog because they're announcing it on the same day they're honoring the hogs at halftime. Okay, so what's the dog going to be? The dog name going to be Hog? The hog's name should be Boss, if I have anything to do about it. So this choice now facing the Washington Commanders, this is is an important choice they've got. Who are they going to go with? I guess it's down to a dog and a hog. I mean, you got to go with the hog, right? Exactly. Given the history of the team, you got to go with the hog. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it tells the story. See, Washington had a dominant offensive line back in the 1980s that fans called the Hogs. Right? It's got part of the heritage. Like, there's the why. There's the instant, you know, I'm not a huge Commanders fan. I have a cursory knowledge of uh, the Washington franchise. And if you, you know, you put those two in front of me, it's like, the other thing, too, is there's so many dogs and so many cats in sports, you know? Like the most generic, you know, with all due respect, like the most generic team name is the Wildcats in like high school, right? Like we even have like, we're like, hey, we're doing a movie. We need a generic team name. Oh, uh, yeah, the wild, go with the Wildcats, right? How important a role does a mascot play in a team's branding? Here's the great thing. Your players change all the time, right? They're always changing. That's like the nature of the game. They're changing. You can't, but a mascot doesn't have to change. It is the consistent thing. If you ask a bunch of, you know, uh, an elementary school class in the market, hey, do you recognize this person? You know, 90% have no idea who this player is. But everybody goes, oh my gosh! I recognize that mascot. Like, that's so-and-so. And it brings a smile to their face. So it is a walking, living, breathing, huggable visualization. When you've got a team, like, let's say the Cowboys, could the cheerleaders be possibly construed as a mascot? I mean, if we're going to talk about sort of the intellectual property and this idea of icons, right? The icons of the team, right? Obviously, the cheeseheads, you know, George Steinbrenner at one point, you could say, was, you know, an icon. The cheeseheads, you know, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, gritty. Like, these are all icons. Jerry Seinfeld once said that sports is just rooting for laundry, right? It's like, <laughs> like we're all wearing, like, the same uniform. It's just different colors with different marks on them. And... If you can step outside of the logo, which everybody has, and you can step outside the uniform, which everybody has, and you can get into this icon, the Cowboys have done it, the Packers have done it, the Padres did it with the chicken, the 
there has to be something else. I mean, my, you have like the Anaheim Angels who had the rally monkey, right? And they're like, oh, isn't this fun for a year? I'm like, no, 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 you have an icon. Like <laughs> embrace that. The rally monkey should, what other team has a rally anything? And regardless of a team's performance in any given season, Jason says the mascots can be a unifying force. The greatest feeling about it is I remember in San Diego, we had kids, we had grandparents, we had some rough around the edges dudes that maybe looked like they had just gotten out of, uh, you know, the, the corrections department and everybody warms their heart to you. Like you could put a smile on everybody's face no matter what your age is, sort of like what your background is, if you're a you know buttoned up, tough as nails person who rarely cracks a smile, you're going to get a smile. And this that that unification. I mean, the mascot is supposed to be the representation of the fans, not the not the organization. Yes, it's owned by the organization, but it's supposed to speak the voice of the fans and the fan sentiment, and being the the rallier, you know, the sort of the the, the ringmaster of the fan feeling and that's a great role and responsibility i'm mike rogers and thanks for listening to something offbeat this episode written and produced by lauren barry and chris blake with audio editing by chris blake original music by myron kaplan and editorial support from cooper mall audio contributed by kyw in philadelphia wscr in chicago and wjfk in washington dc To keep listening, please subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey.com. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 